The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 22nd chapter. Then the Pharisees went and plotted how to entangle Jesus in his talk. And they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully, and you do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances. Tell us then, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And Jesus said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said, Caesar's. Then he said to them, Therefore render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard it, they marveled, and they left him and went away. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. For better understanding what is going on in the Gospel reading that you heard, it is helpful to know the context. Our reading today is from Holy Week, and that meant that a couple of days before this, Jesus entered into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, and the crowds hailed him as the King and sang Hosanna. And then Jesus went into the temple and he cleared out the money changers and he flipped over tables and such and all of this made the leaders in Jerusalem very upset they had always believed that Jesus was no good so in the readings that we've been hearing for the past few weeks in church we've been hearing about the interaction between Jesus and these leaders in Jerusalem and our reading this morning is yet another of those interactions but in today's reading the Jewish leaders are trying to figure out some way that they can catch Jesus in his words so they come up to him with something of a trick question is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not to understand why this is a trick question, we need to know something about the political situation at the time. The Jewish people had not been able to govern themselves for quite some time at this point. It had been a few hundred years, in fact, since the Jews had been able to govern themselves and the latest of the foreign rulers who ruled over them were the Romans with the Caesar at the head of that government so is it lawful to pay taxes to that guy or not now I'm not aware of any people who enjoys being ruled over by a foreign people and the Jews were no exception they resented the presumption the arrogance, sometimes the brutality of the Romans. 
They were hoping that they could get their own kingdom back. And that was one of the hopes at the time, was that the Messiah or the Christ, this king, who is promised in the Old Testament that <clears throat> he could finally come and they could get their kingdom back. So they'd rather not pay taxes to Caesar. Plus they had a couple of good sounding excuses. The Caesar was a rank unbeliever. In fact, he was even so bad that he styled himself as something of a god. How could taxpayers give their hard-earned money to something like that? So that's one part of what is going on. The Jews didn't like the Romans or Caesar. The other part of what is going on with Jesus being asked this question is that it was dangerous to say anything bad about the Romans or about Caesar. If anyone had rebellious thoughts and the Romans found out about it, they wouldn't think twice about putting such a one to death. They were very practical people. Just get rid of them. Especially with non-citizens, like most of the Jewish people were. I think this is, in fact, what Jesus' enemies were hoping he would do. I think they were hoping that Jesus would say that now the time has come to throw off the Roman yoke and let's get busy building a better world. And if Jesus' opponents had heard something like that, the first thing they would do would be to run to Pontius Pilate with smiles on their faces and say to Pontius Pilate, did you hear what Jesus said? He's a traitor. He's a rebel. And then their troubles with Jesus would be over. But Jesus disappoints them. Instead of saying, let us throw off the Roman yoke, he says, give Caesar's things to Caesar and give God's things to God. So Jesus avoided the trap that they set for him. Now let's think about what Jesus' answer means. There are two parts to Jesus' answer. Give Caesar's things to Caesar, that's one. Give God's things to God, that's two. And we'll take them in turn. With the first part of Jesus' response, there seems, to me at least, to be something of a dismissal of the whole issue. The saying, give Caesar's things to Caesar, strikes me as being something like, let sleeping dogs lie, or that's a tempest in a teapot, not much to see. To respond in such a manner is very unexpected, to say the least. Maybe it would be along the lines of someone today saying, it doesn't matter if Biden or Trump is president, when we all know that there is nothing more important than if Biden or Trump is president. Am I right? We have about a dozen cable news channels that cover every last whisper and wink coming out of Washington. Jesus says, just leave Caesar alone. Give the things that are Caesar's 
to Caesar. Perhaps what Jesus' response identifies is a false god that we end up believing in, trusting in, fearing, loving. There's no denying that those in government have power. And so we easily believe if we could only get things set straight, if we could only get our guy or our party in there, then we would be happy. Every four years or every two years, we hear the same things over and over again. Vote for this guy and then you'll be happy. Or, conversely, God forbid that that other guy should get in there, otherwise the whole world is going to fall apart. Our fear and love and trust belong with the one and only true God. To fear, love, and trust in those who have power in government is just as much idolatry as if we were to bow down and worship some statue. In order for you to see how idolatry can be present with our thoughts about government, let me speak briefly about another kind of idolatry, the idolatry of money. Very similar things are said about money as are said about government. If only I had money, then I'd be happy. Or, conversely, if I should happen to lose any money, then gloom, despair, and agony on me. Now, I have to admit that there is something going on with these things that we idolize. For example, does it feel good to come into some money? You bet it does. Or, does it hurt to lose some money? Yes, indeed. So also with the government. There are good governments and there are bad governments, and we all want to have a good government. Does it feel good to have our guy win on election night? Absolutely. But even though we can get some pleasure and satisfaction through these things, they are not very good gods. They don't really deliver the promise of happiness that they are always promising. So do not put your faith into this person or party being elected or, conversely, not elected. A lot of people at Jesus' time believe that if only they could get rid of that awful Caesar and those nasty Romans, then happy days would be here again. Whether Caesars exist or don't exist is not what will do the trick. What is really needed is something far more radical. We need a new creation. The things of God is what is needed. We need to be born again by water and the Spirit. We need to enter into a new relationship with God where there is true justice, true righteousness, true purity of heart, much more so than can ever be achieved by any, ruling, any earthly ruler, even under the very best of circumstances. 
So do not obsess over who is in power or who is not in power. God still exists in heaven above, regardless of who is in power here below. Instead, make it your aim to please God. This is one thought that I believe Jesus is expressing when he says, give Caesar's things to Caesar, leave him be. Another thing he is saying is actually the answer to their question, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? And Jesus basically says, it is. Pay the things that belong to Caesar to Caesar. Paul says the same thing in Romans chapter 13. Pay taxes to whom you owe taxes. And why? Because the government is God's gift. And they need to be supported in the work that they do. Now I can understand why it might not seem as though government is a gift from God. There is always waste and corruption and nonsense, if not much worse things. It can seem as though the government is not a gift from God at all. But just because something that is good can be abused, that doesn't destroy what is supposed to be good. Admittedly, the government does not always do what is right. But here's something you maybe don't realize. Governments have never been able to always do what is right. Governments have always been run by poor, miserable sinners. But there is a lot of goodness that God accomplishes through his gift of government, and these are easy to overlook. Consider how good it is that we can pick up the phone and dial 911, and we don't have to wonder whether help is coming. That comes from God. That's God's gift. That's the way he protects us and the way he defends us. God's gift of government also prevents all kinds of evils and mischief because of the fact that we have laws and police and judges and jails and so forth. Those who want to do evil are going to have to think twice about whether they really want to harm their neighbor because they just might get caught and they just might get punished and they don't want that. And in this way, God keeps the lid on incredible amounts of evil and mischief. People just don't do it because they're afraid of getting caught. And in this way, God allows us to live quiet and peaceable lives. He keeps the lid on the evil that otherwise would boil over so that nobody's life or property would ever be safe. So with Jesus' words, give Caesar's things to Caesar, Jesus is indicating that government has a God-given role to play. Taxes should be paid to whom taxes are owed because God works through those who are in government to maintain peace and prosperity. However, we should keep our distance when it comes to government and our hearts. Our hearts do not belong in the government or any official or any party, our hearts belong to the one and only true God. 
Which brings us to the second part of Jesus' response, give God's things to God. What are the things of God? What we must think of first and foremost when it comes to the things of God is God's Son, the one whom he sent, our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ did the things of God. And what are these things of God that Jesus did? Jesus became Lord over everything that afflicts us the worst. We might think that government or money could fix our problems, and you know what, maybe they can, a little bit. But these things cannot come even close to addressing our worst and most pressing needs. What makes us saddest and most miserable is our poor spiritual condition, our coveting, our greed, our lust, our anger, our meanness, our lying, our self-loathing, and so on. And we could sum up all of these things with the word sin. Sin with a capital S would like to rule over our lives here in this life as well as eternally in the next. But Jesus defeats sin so that sin cannot be Lord the way that it would like to be Lord. Jesus is Lord. And Jesus defeats the gloomy grave. Death and decay all around I see. We're all getting older. We're all getting closer to the grave. Wave after wave of people are going away and there's no stopping it. There seems to be no stopping it. Death holds us in its steely grip. Who can release it? But Jesus defeats it. He is Lord. He's Lord of sin. He's Lord of death. The glory of these things is so magnificent. Jesus gets to the root and the source there's so much talk of happiness. I would be happy if only I, and then you fill in the blank. Happiness is so much higher and holier than a, a, of a thing than people imagine. It's tied up with God himself. So as Jesus says, give to God the things that are God's. And the way that we give God's things to God is by believing Him. Believe what God has done in His Son, whom He sent, our Lord, Jesus Christ. Believe that Jesus is Lord and God. Faith, simply believing God, is the highest form of worship. And every other worship apart from faith does nothing. Believe God. Believe the things that he has done. There's no substitute for faith. Either we believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, or we're going to be searching for our happiness in something else. Lots of things seem like they should do the trick. None of them ultimately can, except the things of God. Jesus' message, therefore, is remarkably applicable to us today. The Jews at Jesus' time were lost in all the same kinds of things that we get lost in. Political intrigues, lying, meanness, coveting. A lot of the Jews believed that if only they could get rid 
of those nasty Romans, then we'd have our happy days. But there is finally only one way to happiness, and that is in our Lord Jesus Christ, crucified and risen for us. Please stand. The peace of God that transcends all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.